Okay, so I heard a pretty sobering story last week. Guy was home watching TV, and there was a knock at the door, and he got up and answered the, the door, and it, it, was a, it was a policeman. He said, officer, what can I do for you? And the officer said, are you married? He said, well, yeah, I, I am. And he said, do you have a recent photo of your wife? And he said, yeah, what's this all about? And he said, could you just get the photo? So the guy went in the bedroom. He brought a photo out of his wife, and the policeman looked at it and was confirmed. And he said, sir, uh, I'm sorry I have to be the one to tell you, but it looks like your wife's been hit by a train. He said, I know, but she's very kind. She's a good person. She cooks really good. She's got a great... Hey, what would be said of you? That you look like you've been hit by a train like Danny T, or that you're a good person? I want to talk this morning about becoming a good person. We kind of talked a little bit about it last week. You know, uh, I was reading a John Ortberg sermon, imagine that, uh, last week of several years ago, and he points out in the sermon that Dallas Willard says that there are four questions that everybody has to grapple with. And you've got to grapple with these whether you want to or not, he says. And and here they are. Um, What's real? What's the good life? Who's a good person? And how do I become a good person? And he said, everybody has to work through these questions, and normally you work through these questions the way you live your life. Now, of course, Jesus Christ has answered every one of those questions very plainly in the Word. For example, what's real? What can you count on? The kingdom of God, His righteousness and His rule and His reign. Uh, The Bible makes it clear that we're not here by accident. This is not a Big Bang Theory universe. We're not just a collection of quarks and photons. This universe was created by a personal, powerful, wise, loving God. And that's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, because that's the only thing that's real anyway. And then Jesus answered the next question, uh, what's the good life? And Jesus' answer to the good life is contrary to what our culture says. Uh, You can start by reading just the Beatitudes. Uh, According to the Bible, the good life has nothing to do with health, wealth, and prosperity. It doesn't have anything to do with having thicker hair, whiter teeth, or being more attractive. According to the Bible, the good life has to do with being in partnership with this great creator God of ours right now in your life. And anybody that wants it can have that through Jesus Christ. The next question is, who's a good person? And we're kind of fuzzy on that today. Jesus was not. He said a good person is somebody who obeys the commandments. And all the commandments can be boiled down into this, love God and love people. So if you love God and love people, you're a good person. And then the last question is, how do I become a good person? This one's very simple. I didn't say easy, very simple. That is to completely turn your life over to Jesus Christ and to the best of your ability to become his student and his disciple. Now, I read that last week, and I thought, man, this is good. i got to share this with my family, so I did. And so this means tomorrow morning at work or school, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what's the four biggest questions in life? Now you can give them the questions and the answer. And that's a bonus. I haven't even started preaching yet. Okay, so I want to talk this morning about being a good person, because we were kind of going that direction last week when we talked about being the servant of all and and being last so you can be first, that kind of thing. Well, uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 gives us a warning for all people who are pursuing that kind of a life. It's a very common mistake we make if we're not careful, and this is what he says, especially in in our society today. Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 1, be careful not to perform your righteous acts before men to be seen by them. If you do, he says, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, as you and I pursue this business of becoming a good person, the warning that Jesus gives us is this. It's a warning against the condition that John Ortberg calls approval addiction. Isn't that good? 
And isn't that a, a dynamic diagnosis of the society we're living in today? Approval addiction. The guy's a genius. That's why I steal so much from him. Now, in the text this morning, what Jesus is talking about are, are the three main pillars of religious status back then, and that it was giving, praying, and fasting. And Jesus would not dispute that those were important pillars of religious society. His problem were people that were doing those things for the wrong motives, because that leads to approval addiction. Now, we don't live in that kind of a religious culture these days, but trust me when I tell you, every one of us in here, starting with me, are, are approval junkies. We're addicted to approval. And, and it, um, it's getting more and more prevalent in our society. And we can take real good things and ruin them by trying to get approval. And it can be giving and fasting and praying for sure. But it also can be your grades. It, it can be your job. It can be your kids or your family. Anything that you try to get your ego stroked with by getting approval of men instead of God. And here's the problem with approval addiction. We don't normally know we have it. We do it without knowing it. These people that Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6, they were really giving, they were really fasting, they were really praying. Here's the problem. They were doing it to impress people around them. But here's the deal. You've got to act like you're doing it because you love God. Otherwise, nobody would pay any attention at all. Nobody wants to give any attention to an approval junkie. So you have to fake it. You have to act like it. And that's why Jesus calls it hypocrisy. And just like the Messiah complex that we talked about last week, it gets way down deep inside of us. And I want to talk about it so we can get down the altar today and get rid of it. You want to? Here's number one. I want to talk about what it is. Approval addiction. There, there was a guy by the name of Mitch Pristine, and he wrote a book called Popular. That was the name of it, Popular. And according to him, when you start the school, and sports, especially when you get into junior high like you guys, and, and, and maybe in high school, you're the chemicals in your brain start flooding this, this urgent need to become popular. And he said the funny thing is, most of the time, the most popular kids in school, like the head cheerleader and the, you know, the captain of the football team, are also the most miserable kids in school. Because it turns out popularity doesn't equal the good life, even though that's what our society tells us. But in this book, he makes a distinction between two very different kinds of popularity. And one is status. Now, status is how, how you get popular by how you impress people. You're beautiful. You, you got money. You, you got power. You got fame, that kind of thing. And, and he says this starts very early in school, and it stays with you your whole life. In the book, he talks about this gal. Her name's Alexandra Court. And he said she's very attractive. She's tall. She's impeccably dressed, very sure of herself. She's the queen of the inner ring in her school. He said every kid surveyed would say that she is the most popular girl in school. But guess who's the most disliked girl in school, ironically? Alexandria Court. Because as it turns out, she's very selfish, gossipy, mean, exclusive. Then the other kind of popularity he mentions is quite different. Pristine uses the word likability. And as it turns out, when you look through that, it's a lot like what you and I talked about last week, uh, becoming others-centered becoming looking out for the needs of other people instead of your own, becoming last so everybody else can become first. Status seekers focus on themselves. Likeable people focus on other people. Status seekers like to talk about themselves, what's going on in their life, what's happening with them. Likeable people like to listen a lot, and they want to know what's up with you, you know, how things are going for you because they care about you. When you're with a status seeker, you, you kind of feel less than 
in comparison. When you're with a likable person, you feel like, hey, I really matter. In fact, when you read through this label of likability, it sounds a lot like what Jesus describes as being righteous. And Pristine says that you could actually rewrite Matthew chapter 5, verse 20 and read it like this, unless your likability surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of law, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Because as he says, as it turns out, righteousness is not some pious uh, churchy word that we use. It's all about who we are in terms of loving God and loving people. Now, here's the problem with us when we are approval junkies. It's hard to be likable when you're an approval junkie because you're addicted to approval. And like any other addiction, you can't get enough. And the people who stuttle, uh, who stuttle, who study, who stutter, who study approval addiction say that a lot of people uh, suffer from what they call excessive reassurance seeking. And that's just a funny way of saying they're always looking to make sure everybody's happy with them. I'm sorry, man, I upset you. You know, is it, is it okay? You, you like everything that's going on? Am I okay? Do you like the way I'm dressed? You understand that? By the way, does this make sense to you? You like my sermon? You like my new shirt? You everything? See, that's what I'm talking about. You know, we, we manipulate you to make us feel better. That's what happens with approval addiction. And, and Pristine writes, this is why for young people today, listen to me here. I'm not going to get too far on this soapbox. This is why social media is so dangerous today to our kids. Because social media today has become an approval dispenser. And every time our kids get a like, they get a shot of dopamine. You guys have read that. Every time they get a text, they get a a shot of dopamine. Another like, another shot of dopamine. But when they don't get a like, do you know what I read yesterday? Since the advent of Facebook, teenage suicide has gone up 1,300%. Do you think that's a coincidence? I'm going to give you an example. Right now on YouTube, there are 13,000 tutorials on how to take a selfie. 13,000 instructions to teach you how to take a picture of yourself, for crying out loud. 13,000. In contrast to that, guess how many instructions there are on YouTube to teach you how to die to your little selfie and pick up your cross for Christ? Zero. It's huge. One more thing, and I'm off, the, I'm off the soapbox. If you have not watched The Social Dilemma, I'm asking you to do that for me. Mark and Jake asked me to watch it. I put it off for a couple of weeks. I watched it. I wish I hadn't watched it. I want you to watch it. The Millers sat down and watched it as a family. If you're watching at home today, when you're done with church, before you watch football, would you just watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix? We are in a battle right now, and the game is rigged. <laughs> it's not fair. Okay, number two, the alternative to approval addiction is pretty simple, really. You live to please God alone, like we kind of sang about here a minute ago. You live for others, but you live to please God alone. Colossians 3.23, Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You you do for God. You remember Soren Kierkegaard, the famous Dutch thinker? He said it like this, if you can picture the whole world a stage... And your audience is just one. It's God. That's what he's talking about here. Now, the the first step in making sure we get that done is to just admit that we need approval. You can't live without it. You were born that way. We were made that way. And if if you don't believe that, just watch your kids and watch your babies. You give them a little bit of recognition, a little bit of praise, a little bit of attention. They just beam. 
just full of joy because, look, we were made for that. So the question is not, am I going to seek approval? The question becomes, where am I going to seek approval? And I got some real good news for you this morning. The God that we serve has an infinite supply of approval, an infinite supply. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because that's the only thing that's real. He says, you live like you're living for God. You live to please God, to be approved by God. You find your security in God's love. You find your identity in the image of God. You find your hope and strength in the power of God. You live for God's approval and only his approval. That's the way to live. That's what the Bible says. We kind of need a joke at this point, don't we? I thought we did. So, uh, a priest, a rabbi, a nun, and um, a minister walked into the bar. The bartender said, what is this, a joke? See, here's the deal. I th- <laughs> Come on, man, that was good. So, when I, was, when I first came into the ministry, I thought to myself, everybody's going to love me because everybody loves to preach, right? <laughs> That's the joke. Not everybody loves Jimmy Cain. There are people right down the road that can't stand me. But here's the deal. They got cats. And I don't care. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> here's the deal. You can't have it both ways. It's impossible. Paul says in Galatians 1.10, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, he says, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. What I would be is a pretender and a manipulator and an actor, but I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. You cannot pull both of these things off. In John 12, 43, talking about a certain group of people, it says, they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Paul, again, writing to the church in Corinth, said this in 1 Corinthians 4, 3, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. You, you can't find both, okay? If you want man's approval at school and, you know, at work and everything, if you're looking out to please everybody around you, okay, but you can't do that and please God. It can't be done. So if you want to, uh, some help with approval of junkie um, addiction, I'm going to send you home with three words today, powerful words. Are you ready for them? I don't care. Say those words out loud. I don't care. One more time. I don't care. Isn't that liberating? Isn't that something? Listen, tomorrow morning when somebody says to you, I don't really like those shoes with that outfit. I don't care. Somebody says to you tomorrow, they don't like your uh, taste in music. I don't care. They don't like your taste in uh, television watching. I don't care. They don't like who you're voting for for president. They don't care which party you're affiliated with. I don't care. Tomorrow when a cop pulls you over and you're speeding, you don't. No, don't go that far with it. But <laughs> here's the deal. If I take I don't care with me tomorrow, that doesn't mean I don't care for you. I love you. What it means is I don't care about your approval. I'm trying to get my approval from God and Him alone. Listen to me, family. You, you absolutely cannot please everybody. So, so don't waste your time trying. You, you can never scratch that itch. But again, I got some real good news for you. This is absolutely amazing stuff. You're not going to believe this. But here's the news. Jesus likes you. No matter what. He knows what you did last night, last week, 10 years ago. He likes you anyway. In fact, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And because of that, we live for the kingdom of God. And we live to please one person. And that's him. Thirdly, Jesus points out the consequences of living with addiction approval. He says, you do these kind of things to be seen by others, and what he's saying is you'll see no reward from your Father in heaven. Isn't that what he said? 
Now, the Bible talks a lot about rewards, and we'll do a sermon on that one day. And anytime you talk about rewards, you've got to do it like grown-ups. But what we've got to do here is understand what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying that if you do something nice for somebody and they see it, you lose your reward. It's not like God's looking down and saying, oh, what a nice thing you did for your neighbor. I was going to give you another jewel in your crown. I was going to give you another big spot mansion. But since they saw you do it, that's off the table. That's not what he's saying. Because the reward that Jesus is talking about has to do with the kind of person we become. We start doing these things for his approval and in secret. And all of a sudden we become increasingly freed from the, t- the tyranny of approval addiction. Man, you talk about a reward. To be able to live your life knowing that God approves you and it doesn't matter who else does. To be able to give freely like that with nobody knowing it. To be able to do like Jesus talked about last week, bringing the child up front saying he can't do anything for you. You serve him. To do that, to serve somebody when everybody else is rolling their eyes at you or honking their horn at you. To serve somebody just to serve God, how liberating that is. On the other hand, if you want to continue to live your life, uh, Jesus says, uh, performing to impress the people around you so they'll see you do good things and say, oh, what a great preacher that is. Oh, what a great worship minister that is. Oh, what a great elder that is. Oh, what a great person that is. If you do that, Jesus says, then that's all you're going to get. In the Greek, it reads paid in full. And it's not that God's withholding something from you. It's that you've chosen a different reward. Instead of transforming into a person that doesn't care, you're still locked into this. They're, they're incompatible. Now, somebody says, how do I know if I'm an approval junkie? Well, you are. Just take my word for it. So am I. This is something we've got to work on all the time. I've got a book in my library. I've told you about it before. It's called A Tale of Three Kings. And I try to read this book every year, and because of this sermon, I'm going to read it this week. It uh, puts me in my place. It reminds me I'm not about your approval. I mean, I love you all. There's no doubt about that, and you know it. And I know you love me, but I don't need your approval. can't get it anyway. I can't please everybody here. I found that out years ago. Can't please the whole staff. I can't please my entire family. So you, you work on pleasing God. This puts me in my place. It reminds me that I got to decrease and I got to allow Jake and Mark and Sarah and the people around me increase, which is harder to do than you could possibly imagine. But this book puts me in my place. Angie likes me in my place, so she bought me a copy. The staff all bought me a copy. My girls bought me a copy. The elders bought me a copy. Some of you bought me. Don't buy the book for me anymore. I got plenty of copies of this book. I'm in my place, okay? I, my name is Jim. I'm an approvalaholic, okay? I get it. I know you don't like me. I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. You do like me, right? No. Okay, here's number four. <laughs> As we work towards the altar, how do we get free of this approval addiction? Well, it, it's really ramped up in our day, and we know it. Um, one thing is for sure, we cannot get it through willpower. We talked about that last week. There's other things we've got to do. Here's, here's the problem. All of us were created with two basic needs, and they're huge. We have a need to be accepted, and we have a need to be known. And if we're not known by people and accepted by people, we feel empty on the inside. And I've got to tell you something in case you didn't know this, church. That is the pandemic right now. People are hurting so bad. They're so empty. People don't know them. They don't accept them. Do you know that last month, the state of Indiana, which averages 1,000 calls a day to the suicide hotline last month, 28,000 calls a day. That's what's going on in our country. That's why people are watching again today. That's why I told you last week, I'm going to tell you again, I'm not trying to 
force you. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm just telling you, you need to get back in this place. We need each other. We were created for that. And the ironic thing, in this, in this age of social media and technology where we can talk to anybody we want to at any time and Facebook them and, 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 and you know, look at them on the phone and, and all these things, and you guys can watch me preach and see church every Sunday, it's an amazing thing. On the other hand, you're not here. It's not community. And we die without community. we got to have it. we got to feel accepted, and we got to feel loved. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, the very first two people... The Bible says Adam and Eve were naked and they weren't ashamed. In other words, they were completely known and still accepted each other. That's what we got to have. When I was younger, Claudia, for a time, I'm almost done. She was in Job's daughter for just a little bit, a couple of years, I think. And when I was seven years old, uh, I didn't have a shy bone in my body, which I'm sure that shocks most of you. But they had a Job's daughter bring your brother to meeting night. And I don't know if Claudia was afraid they weren't going to like me or whether they weren't going to like her because of me. But one way or another, she paid me $1.50 to act shy. And that was a lot of money back then. It's not too bad money now. But I pulled it off, man. Those, those ladies loved me. I just acted so shy, you know. She did that again just recently at her retirement party at SOCC. She paid me to be quiet. And uh, it cost her a little more. But I said, no, that's not true. But listen, that's what goes on. We act. Because we want to be accepted and approval. And I'm telling you, that's what I love about this church. This is such an amazing place. Because we all know we're in the same boat here. And it's sinking. We all know we got problems here. We all know we're struggling with social media. We all know we're afraid of COVID. We all know we got problems here and problems there. We know that and love each other anyway. This is why this is such a powerful kingdom place. It's why we need to be together in this place. Okay, so how do we beat this thing? Jesus gave us a pretty good idea right in the text when he said, just do something without anybody knowing it. Why don't you try that this week? Send somebody a, write somebody a card and send them a Starbucks gift card or, you know, Outback gift card or, I don't know, Chili's, whatever you want. Send it to them, don't put your name on it. And I was thinking, you know what would really be something? Pick somebody you don't like and send them a gift card and don't sign the thing. Powerful stuff going on there. Then you're looking for one approval. It's certainly not them. And the other thing is community. This. Um, as soon as you feel comfortable, you need to get back here. Again, it's a safe place. We're cleaning up in between. We're wearing our masks. Um, I mean, no guarantee, but I've been doing this since we started, and I don't, I don't have COVID. I'm being careful. I'm hugging people. You've got to keep living, you know. But if you're not ready to come back to church, at least get back in your group, because we've got to have community, or we'll be trapped into this approval addiction over and over again, especially, you know, on the phone. And what a good place to do it, right here at the table, the common union we talked about last week, where we remind each other this morning that, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's Him alone that we worship. It's Him alone that we're here to serve. Ask Him this morning to teach you how to better love Him and to love each other.